Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. When staring at the Matrix, all she sees is blonde, brunette, redhead, Whitney Nelson. That's true. Factual. Mm. Mm. And he's never sure if he's awake or still dreaming, and I'm certain it's because of the mescaline. Evan Wells. Oh, my God. That's too accurate. That, that hits deep. <laughs> Especially given what we were just talking about before going live here. Oh, my gosh. Which was Evan's drug problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's medical procedures there and now. whatnots that I'm just, let's not regale it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we had a lot of talk that we made Andrew woozy with all of our talk. So Gross. we will not repeat it. I didn't like it. That's just, I'm not Evan doesn't have a drug problem, by the way. I was just kidding. He might. If there are any cops out there. Right. That was a joke. <laughs> Not a drug problem, certainly. Oh, man. Dear police, that was a joke. Love, Whitney. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. We're off to a great start. I love this. <laughs> oh, boy. Up top, uh, I want to mention, like we always do, you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us at coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. If you like what we do and you want to support it directly, you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash coolbreezepod, reap all manner of extras. If you don't want to throw any bucks our way, uh, just give us a review on iTunes. We would love that. Great way to support the show, raise awareness, all that great stuff. So uh, I'm very excited to get to the the meat of this episode, but... I'd be remiss not to mention something that came up a few episodes earlier. So we've moved into a new year of films. 1999. Mm -hmm. Keanu didn't do anything oh, in 98 boy. because he was too busy, like, training his ass off to be in this. It was, like, pretty intensive mm -hmm. stuff. So, mm -hmm. as we always do, mm -hmm. we're going to list the movies that came out this year. And mm -hmm. this is a heck of a list. This so I remember there's a whole book written about that this could very well be the best year in movies ever. So just mm -hmm. listen to this list, okay? The Sixth Sense, Fight Club, American Pie, Being John Malkovich, Eyes Wide Shut, Three Kings, Office Space, The Mummy, Ten Things I Hate About You, The Town and Mr. Ripley, Boys Don't Cry, Magnolia, The Iron Giant, The Green Mile, Cruel Intentions, Dogma, Girl Interrupted, The Bone Collector, and for better or worse, our best picture, 1999, was American Beauty, Directed by mm -hmm. Sam Mendes, who's great, starring someone who is, uh, you know, objectively not great, but, you know, you, you know, can't win them all, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty and all, but also I feel like this was the start of the beginning of the end of the Academy Awards and everyone being like, what are they even smoking over there? This whole thing is like political and not really about best movies anymore. And I feel like this year was kind of the year, not that American Beauty wasn't a good movie, yeah. but that like American Beauty and what it was being the best picture winner seemed so out of left field considering the kinds of movies that were being made at the time. I, I, I didn't get a list of what else was actually nominated for best picture that year. Not surprising, The Matrix was not, but... Uh, well, again, they're delayed by a year. So these are actually... American Beauty was released in 98. Yeah, so there you go. But quite a list, regardless. That's yeah, a hell of a list. I think I saw Sixth Sense three times in theaters. In theaters? You're a crazy person. Yeah. I know. It was just a great movie. It truly but, was. Yeah, but like once you've seen it, one time in theaters, I don't understand going back to see it two more times in well, theaters. That's one of those movies where you want to like 
call, try and catch them in their in the fact that he's like well spoilers everyone's <laughs> seen this movie <laughs> catch them right like oh did he really not engage with anyone yeah and so you like go back and watch it right. but anyway Fair. what what movie are you gonna watch the rest of your life whitney i don't this is a hard one this is a very mm. hard one there's a, there's another answer on here as well i just don't don't overlook that um the matrix also came out in 1999 <laughs> well yeah <laughs> But we're not we we've only gone off the list so far. We have <laughs> That's true. not ever That's true. gone off the Whoa. list and it's not on the list. So I'm not going to count the matrix because it's not on the list. So that being said, I would be hard pressed to give up dogma forever. But I Ooh. have a lot of issues with Kevin Smith as a whole. So like it's not really the head-to-head that it feels like in my gut because it, I really would drop Dogma if it came down to it. The Mummy is the one that I would keep and watch forever. What? Yep, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember Whitney mentioned the Mummy as like a uh, wow. one of my favorite movies for Much Ado About it's Nothing. Just so right? Fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like perfect encapsulation of everything that it wanted to be, and it's so like feel-good, fun action. All right. Huh. There it is. Uh, Andrew? This First is to your life? Yeah, this is a very difficult decision. However, I would, uh, if I just had to choose the one uh, that I've seen the most on this list, it is hands down, far and away, office space for me. Mm, that movie, that's where I was leaning. I, yeah. I could not watch that over and over again for the rest of my life. Oh man, I mean, like, I have. That is, that is not to say that it's not to say that it's not funny and it's not good because it yeah. is. But yeah. I just like if you can only watch one movie, I think that I I think that I would I think that I would end up pulling a, a printer job on the the physical whatever yeah, physical on, media I had of it. I think I would be like, oh, nope, I can't. I'm out. I think Fight Club would offer me enough like uh, there's enough happening in that movie that i think your mind would be jogged for you know a a good amount of time yeah but you know there's just a lot of good in that movie and uh i think that's where i'd end up if i didn't do office space all right i definitely could not watch fight club (laughs) for the rest of my life i definitely could not. what is it too dark Yes, it's too dark, but also, I don't know. It's too broy. I guess. <laughs> That's a good call. That's fair. <laughs> it's you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, we're talking about a movie today. Mm. Which one? And Which one? Evan? We are. It is actually the movie we were supposed to cover last week no uh, that's everyone that's corrected me and quite a bit. <laughs> said it was something else so uh we were not supposed to watch the matrix yeah, last week pretty sure we were we supposed were. to watch the devil's advocate <laughs> because uh-huh. we are watching these in chronological order yeah it's up for interpretation so, you get lost you could just it's look it's not it's 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 not like an arbitrary schedule or anything it's defined by history yeah, that's what, what I said. So next? we're we're watching the Matrix. We huh. did watch the Matrix, and we're talking about it today. Um, IMDb has a plot synopsis as such: 
A computer hacker learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against its controllers. Oof. It was directed by the Wachowskis. Um, sure. Who's, or who's the Wachowskis. <laughs> I'm so rude. Whose work um, you may also be familiar with, such as um, Bound, every Matrix movie, uh, V for Vendetta, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and the Netflix original series, Sense8. Do you guys think this is the first time that everyone who's listening has seen the movie we're talking about? It's very likely. I would be shocked if you're here and you haven't seen it. Like, do you think everyone that was listening saw Speed? Mm, that's a good call. Because our, our age ranges are pretty wildly, like, all over the place. So there were some people who, are like, who wrote in that were like, I first saw the, the Matrix when I was 10. Which means they would have been like four <laughs> when Speed came out, uh, or three. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to do math, but you get the point, right? You know, numbers. <laughs> it's all relative uh, anyway. If we learned anything from this movie, I like to think everybody who's listening has seen The Matrix. Yeah, but anyway, anyway, co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss. Hugo Weaving, Gloria Foster, and Joe Pantoliano, which is so fun to say. Yeah. Um, or Joey Pants is his friend's call. <laughs> <laughs> Insider info there. I'm mm -hmm. writing it down. Joey Pants. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a... Yeah, the, the big data machine, Yeah, the big data machine is going to take that and spit it out <laughs> at some point in the future. It's, like a, it's like a mafia character. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's Joey Pants. You know, you have to say it like that. Uh -huh. um, Whitney, what what did the critics in the audience think of this movie? So on Rotten Tomatoes, we have a critical score of 88% and an audience score of 85%, which I actually find a little surprising. I would have guessed uh, audiences liking this more than critics. Yeah. Just based on the type of movie it is, that's not even a, a, any kind of thing about the movie itself or the quality of the movie. Just based on the type of movie, I usually feel like those action-y type sci-fi stuff always gets a higher audience rating. So I mm -hmm. found that interesting. Um, we have two critic quotes this time oh boy. Um, that have been pulled. We are uh -oh. going all out. <laughs> pulling out all the stops. Um, the first critic quote is from Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian, who says, The Matrix still stands up. So clearly this is a recent review of The Matrix because it says still stands up as a fiercely exciting and discombobulating futurist drama, which pioneered breathtaking bullet time action sequences inspired by Asian martial arts. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then we have another critic quote from Adam Kempnar from Film Spotting, who says, Neo offers Reeves the perfect combination of Ted Theodore Logan's curiosity and wonder, <laughs> Johnny Utah's earnestness, and the badassness of Jack Traven. Wow. Which is pretty true. Yeah. That's cool. I Adam's like that. clearly a fan. Yeah, we have a user review from Rotten Tomatoes. Maya gave it five stars. Apparently reviewing after having seen it again recently in Dolby Atmos for the anniversary. Nice. And Maya said, one of the best sci-fi action films ever made. Just as mind-blowing now as it was 20 years ago. Such a treat to see it on a big screen again. 
Oof. Yeah, that's cool. I bet that was rad. So, Evan Whitney, you know that we've been putting the call out for quite a while for people mm-hmm. to send in their stories about the Matrix. I harangued my sister on air last episode, and she you still did. didn't write anything in. So it's unbelievable. I'm not mad. I'm just if disappointed. your own blood won't do it. <laughs> but complete strangers will. Think about yeah. it. Think about that it with your something. mind, Lindsay. I was <laughs> before we get to the ones that were that were written in and recorded. I was curious if either of you had like a particular anecdote. Do you, do you remember? This is the first movie of Keanu Reeves that I saw in theaters, so it was kind of like a big deal for mm. me. Was that the case with either of you as well, or did you see it like after the fact? Like, wh- what was your experience of this movie when you first saw it? I definitely did see it in theaters. That is all I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because Lindsay has the memories. Great. Lindsay has the memory. I do not. God, yeah. And I, that's why I harangued her and she didn't come through. So all, all I remember is um, immediately going out and getting a pleather pants and a pleather tank top. And I already had a long dark <laughs> nice. coat. It's not like a trench coat. It was actually like fuzzy. Yeah. But it still worked because it swooped the same way. But I was like, I have the coat already. And then, uh, yeah, I that's what I remember. That's the impact that it made on me is I, was, I need more pleather in my wardrobe was the impact uh, uh, yeah. that the Matrix had A on fashion me. fashion impact. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see it. You probably got Switch's outfit, though, right? All white with the mesh shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I did. <laughs> um, I don't recall... I feel like I went to the theaters, but I remember having like an out of body experience when he held up the battery. Uh, yeah. Like I remember having a true mind blown moment. You're like, holy. And then, yeah, that's my big takeaway from the movie when I first saw it was like, <gasps> what if? What the hell? So, yeah. What about you, Andrew? Did you? I, I remember that. Uh, I remember where I went. Saw it at Franklin Mills, right? The Mills, is that what they call nice. it now? I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I went, and my dad took me because I was 14 at the time. So I was not able to see this R-rated film by myself. But he took me and my friend Kevin. And my dad was excited to see this also. And we got in the theater and I, don't, I really didn't know too much about like what this was. Like... Previews were a little different back in the late 90s. You're like, I really don't have like a sense of what this is going for. And man, I think everybody in the theater kind of like audibly gasped at the introduction of Trinity, which uh, is like like a crazy introductory scene for a character, like the bullet time for the first time. Everyone's like, holy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other thing I remember clearly, not to take up too much time, is... At the end of the movie, when the credits roll and we're hearing Rage Against the Machine, like, <laughs> no, like uh-huh. nobody got up. Like, everybody just sat there like, Everyone what? was still digesting. Yeah, they're like, yeah. what did we just watch? It was crazy. <laughs> and was I'm, awesome. I'm like, I don't even know what questions to ask at this point. Because, like, you know, blew my mind, suffice it to say. Yeah. Really, really cool. Very special movie for me. So I'm excited that some of you wrote in to share your stories with us. Yeah. I'm going to read one, if that's okay. I'm going to read, and then maybe one of you could read the other one, so it's not all me. 
And then we'll play some audio. It'll be great. This one is from Jessica, uh, who wrote in. And you can follow her on Twitter. I believe you would say this as at RichieCat, R-I-C-C-I-C-A-T. She says, hi, Cool Breeze Pod. I love your podcast. Thank you. Hmm. (laughs) In the era of the Matrix, I dated a man who proclaimed, I only like French art films. Instead, <laughs> instead of running away from him, I, I entered... like the stank you put on that, Andrew. <laughs> I, yeah, I tried. Good. I figured, you know, it might be worth it. Tell me how I did, Jessica. <laughs> instead of running from him, I entered into what I like to call my four-year pop culture blackout. We didn't even have cable TV when the World Trade Center fell down, so I found myself in Brooklyn with a coat hanger antenna trying to UF, UHF some Peter Jennings that night to give you an idea of the void I did not see a new movie from 1997 to 2002, which means the megastar rise of Reeves escaped me. I was a huge fan of his early works, of course, including Bill and Ted, Point Break, etc. Then my blue pill error happened. 2018 brought us the endearing Destination Wedding. While watching that delightful promo for this film, I realized the last Keanu Reeves movie I saw in theaters was my own private Idaho. Wow. Mm -hmm. My personal Keanu renaissance took shape almost right along with your podcast. I started watching all of his films in chronological order. John Wick series notwithstanding. Good call. Saving mm-hmm. the Matrix for don't last. Don't save John Wick. If anyone is doing that, don't. Right. Don't, watch yeah. do it. John Wick. Watch it immediately. Watch them all. It's great. You could, The rest, I mean, these, we're now at the Matrix, because I would have before said watch the Matrix and watch the three John Wicks. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's okay if you leave uh, Revolutions and Reloaded <laughs> for, like, chronological order. All right. That's but, true. But yeah. That's a good way to do it. If anyone else is doing it, leave John Wick out of it. Watch yeah. it right now. Do Stop now. this podcast and go watch John Wick. Well, you know, let's not get crazy here. Uh, no, John Wick is better than us. <laughs> okay. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Strong, hard agree. All right. Listen to how Jessica wraps this up, though. I'm lucky enough to live in NYC and saw The Matrix for the first time ever on its 20th anniversary re-release in a Times Square IMAX theater exactly three weeks ago. All I could say is That's rad. mind blown. I had believed John Wick go. was the role KCR, nice, was born to play, and it's certainly one of them, but I can't think of a more perfect actor for Neo. He fully nails the dour yet inquisitive, cunning, dedicated, hopeful, fearful, yet fierce character traits, sometimes just with a look. The story, not dated at all, perhaps more relevant now than ever. The effects, still so fresh. Had this movie been made today, CGI would have ruined it. The stunts and gun work and kung fu and soundtrack equals Tarantino, eat your heart out. Bold, Jessica. Mm. Now I get it. Now I finally understand why this trilogy broke the mold and will go down in cinematic history. And Reeves, looking pretty fucking hot while kicking all that ass? Chad Stahelski as stunt double and all that foreshadows? Of course John Wick is as good as it is. We have The Matrix to thank for that. Boom! Got it. Boom. Nice job. Boom. Mic drop. You did we don't it, even Jessica. need to have the rest of the podcast. Jessica wrapped it all up Wrap in one neat it package. Up. All right. Shut Whitney, it down. where can we find you on the internet? Uh, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> yeah. Which one of you wants to read this next one? Which is a little bit, uh, it's like existential. It's like a weird, it's like a, it certainly fits in the theme of the Matrix. Either one. I'll do it. Uh, this is from Ms. Daryl, a.k.a. Uh, at 5D Chief, and that's the numeral five and the letter D, and then the word chief, no spaces, on Twitter. And, and they said, I love that you are doing this. 
Not a story, really, but I have had several dreams about the Matrix. The strangest was waking up in a pod and seeing my body. I remember thinking that if I left, no one would know I was free and I might drown. Definitely a huge regret. I am an adventurous soul and should have tried anyway. And then they say, maybe you could do a meetup.com movie event the month before Matrix 4. It gives people a wonderful chance to see the previous movies and refresh their memories, as well as socialize and have fun. Our local library has a gorgeous screen, and we got to see John Wick 1 and 2 loud and proud. Didn't get a huge turnout, but we still had a blast. And then I think that this person actually organized John Wick 1 and 2 at the library because they say, I didn't get a large turnout. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty that sounds pretty good so uh, love where your head's at yeah miss daryl <laughs> thank you that's i awesome. definitely think that in the dream you should have tried <laughs> yeah right i agree i don't want to like reinforce a huge regret of yours but come on you definitely but, but, also, again. but also in the movie having just watched it if he had woken up in that pod and didn't have people there to like rebuild his muscles and whatever he probably wouldn't have made it anyway Right. He never used them. It's craziness. It's craziness. Never used his it muscles, crazy. never used his eyes. So you might not have been able to get away even if you tried to in the dream. So I'm just saying, <laughs> don't regret it too much, but also <laughs> right. regret you could have it died because you should have tried to get away. All right. <laughs> and then some very special people That's also... <laughs> just, we'll just leave it like that. On that note. There's audio... You might have died in the dream. And you know what they say about dying in the dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't do that. We're still doing it. You die it's in a, real life. It's a rule in the Matrix. It's a rule in Freddy, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the, That is how it goes. So <clears throat> we also have uh, audio from some listeners. And uh, we have four of these that we're going to play because they were really well done. The first one comes uh, all the way from Greece. And I want to preface by saying, George, thank you so much. You sent us 12 minutes of audio. He sent 12 individual messages. And for the sake of brevity, I had to cut this down a little bit. But let, let's hear what, what George has to say. I love his I love his accent. Here we go. Um, hello, my name is George Pappas, and I'm talking to you from Greece, the country I come from. When I watched it the first time in 2013, I was sitting here with my father. It's one of his favorite films, and uh, I literally couldn't believe how masterful it was, how uh, uh, strange it was, how powerful it was. The action was captivating. Um, never before had I seen uh, bullets being dodged, uh, people uh, walking uh, above the above the walls, um, uh, people jumping and shooting each other. Um, after I had watched, I couldn't figure out figured out what I just watched. Uh, I remember myself asking my father, "How could you explain this film?" My father said, "You'll grow up and you'll understand it. It's very early for you, but I'm really glad you enjoyed it." And finally, after six years of wait, uh, uh, March thirty first, two thousand nineteen, this year, I did get to watch The Matrix. Again, and in comparison, the first time, the second time I watched it was a much more complete experience. Not only was I in a position to fully understand the concept behind it, I also got to become a fan of the film. 
After that film, I said to myself, this has to be my very favorite film for all time. And it is my very favorite film for all time. Not a few films can make you feel unique. And to some extent, I have to say, I started feeling more unique after I'd watched it again. Nice. Love that it. That was awesome. Thank you, George. Apparently, we have a lot of fans in Greece. So... Thank you from <laughs> Hello, Greece. Some from Greece. real far away. <laughs> I may be pretty, uh, vacationing cool. there next year, so hit me up if you've got free places for me to stay. <laughs> George, <laughs> hook it up, George. Yes. <laughs> all, all of Greece, get at me. <laughs> at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. Are all you aware Greece. of who is coming to your island, Greece? Just letting you know. Whitney is. All right. Uh, that is... Uh, that's George. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Comrade Keanu, which sounds like a menacing name, but he's the super nice guy. So definitely give him a follow if you enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Fans are great. The next one comes from Christina uh, at Keanu Wave on Twitter. And here's what Christina had to say. When The Matrix was released, initially I was nine years old. So obviously my mother wasn't going to let third graders see a violent R-rated film. So I didn't actually properly see it until I was, I'm going to say, around 18 years old. And I don't know if I really understood all that was uh, the Wachowskis were trying to say, but what really struck me then and continues to strike chord with me now is that under all the, you know, the flashy costumes and the fight moves, and those things are all wonderful, but what really struck me was the questions they were asking about uh, what measure is a non-human? What kind of impact does technology make on our lives? How do we look at our identity? And also the fact that none of the heroes are a white guy uh, just keeps it relevant even today. It's awesome. Yep, 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 yep. That Agreed. was cool. Christina. Agreed. Nailing it also. Thanks, Christina. We'll get into it a little bit more once we start talking about the overall thoughts of the movie momentarily, once we hear uh, more listener thoughts. But uh, there's several things that are brought up, like big questions that are brought up in this movie that I think are prescient, some that are very relevant now, even more so than they were then. And I think a lot of it's it's something that's been talked about before. This is not anything that I am thinking up for the first time, but so much of what the Wachowskis have made over their careers is about identity, which yeah. looking at them both now is very interesting seeing a filmmaker talk about, you know, what really makes you you mm -hmm. and you fitting into society and all of those questions are super interesting to look at now, knowing that both of them had so much going on underneath the surface while these films were being made. And like that artistic medium of really working out personal issues in a public space is very interesting. But I definitely agree with the like technology and, and what it means and, and, you know, at what point is technology human? Yeah, it's super cool. For sure. Mm. It's a, it's a movie that has somehow gotten more relevant over time. Usually mm -hmm. it goes far in the opposite direction, but especially when you're talking like science fiction. Yes. Yeah. yeah especially so. We have uh two more here. This one is from James who gets cut off, but uh you no, know No, James. I, right at the end of what he was going to say, and I think you could fill in the blank. So, here we go. <laughs> hey guys, this is 
James, James underscore librarian, talking about Matrix Memories. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters the week it came out. It was a rare instance where my father was excited to see a movie in theaters. That and the previous one was Batman Returns, which scarred me as a child. So I don't have a lot of really specific memories about it, but I just remember it being completely unexpected and nothing nothing I had seen up to it, including you know, old samurai movies and stuff, had really prepared me for the level of effects and the, the the thought that seems to go into a lot of the the deeper story arc and the the deeper meaning behind the characters and i think as i watch it as an adult i don't necessarily have the same appreciation that i did when i was 16 but still it it definitely holds a special place in my heart <laughs> that's it <laughs> i guess so thank I mean, you james I think that's, that's probably also awesome. a pretty pretty good guess <laughs> And I'm sorry that Batman Returns scarred you as a child. I'm assuming it was the Penguin uh, that did it, because that probably happened probably. to a lot of folks. One of the things that I have in my, like, I can't do another podcast because I will literally die, but also I want to do another podcast. There's uh, one on the list that is just interviewing people about movies that scarred them as children. Because Ooh. my sister, I loved Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and my sister was so scared of multiple scenes in that movie, and yeah. I couldn't understand. Like, I get it. I get it more now than I did then, but it made me so mad because we couldn't watch it because Lindsay would be too scared, so I didn't get to see it like I wanted to see it. But just talking about why some things really affected people, and not necessarily so much like, I saw the movie, the horror movie Dolls when I was like seven years old and mm. it was at a sleepover and we definitely a group of like seven year olds should not have been watching that movie. Um, <laughs> but we were we were not being actively monitored when we were watching that movie. Um, Excellent. So we watched a horror movie and that scarred me. But that's like a horror movie where people are actively killed by dolls and you're seven or eight years old and have dolls all around you all the time. Um, right. That's different than stuff like Batman Returns or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the things that really impacted people. I just think it's so interesting. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> the Matrix. I have a feeling that podcast will be starting up next week. Anyway! <laughs> uh, our last uh, submission comes from Max at, and this is this is one of the funniest trolls to say out loud. His Twitter <laughs> username is at Max underscore but it is not the character underscore, it's underscore spelled out. So, at Max underscore. And here's what he had to say. Hey, this is Max. Uh, the first time I saw The Matrix was actually way, way, way after it came out. Because when it came out in theaters, I was still, like, extremely obsessed with animation. Would only watch movies if they were animated. I've, it's partly true now to a lesser extent, but I saw it much later after consuming all of the references to it already. And it, I knew it was going to be cool, but it was so much cooler than I originally thought that I was like, whoa, just like Neo. <laughs> he was like, whoa. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you, Max. <laughs> At Max underscore. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. It really was awesome to get some of these in. I know it's kind of like a huge pain in the ass to like stop your day and like right yeah. and do all that. But we su I really appreciate it. And if if you as a listener like this and want to contribute to future episodes, obviously we're doing this special for the Matrix. But like you can send us your thoughts on the Watcher or whatever. I, you know, yeah, 
and if you have uh, anything to say, I'd love to hear it because I feel like it just adds so much more to our experience of watching the movie and talking about it and looking at it in depth to see like specifically how it struck other people. Yeah, yeah. that's the best. Multiple perspectives. When James, I think it was when James was talking about when when seeing it as a teenager and how it resonates as when he was a teenager, that really made me start thinking about how much this is a, a movie that's good for teenagers to see because you're figuring out yourself in the world and all that kind of stuff. And, and seeing this at that time where you're figuring all that stuff out about yourself and about everybody else, it's like really, really strongly resonates. And obviously there's stuff that resonates now as, you know, an old person and whatever. But just, like, I hadn't thought about that until James said it. And so I like hearing what people have to say. Absolutely. It's like Andrew and I, every time Whitney talks about her thoughts on a movie. Yeah, pretty much. I'm always enlightened. I'm (laughs) like, wow, (laughs) there was so much more to this than just cool gun stuff. Yeah, so... Whitney needs that enlightenment, so we'll we depend right. on the uh, Whitney needs that from the audience. She's not that. getting it from us, so <laughs> she needs to get it from somewhere. Oh gosh, I'm so the blowhard of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like the part where they shot the guns. That was cool. There was a helicopter crash. It was great. Yeah. I don't know what that voice is. Uh, me, you. I guess. It's, it's, I really don't want to be like Mr. Ivory Tower, but. <laughs> I guess somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we heard from the audience. We heard from our listeners. Thank you again. Let's let's get into this for us. Do do either of you Mm want to start? Did this movie work for you? I I think I know the answer, but I would love to hear your your pointed thoughts. Yes. And like everybody, basically, who's watched it again recently, it worked for me better than I thought it would. Like, I thought I had really clear memories of this movie. And I did. I remembered the whole movie. It's not like, um, what was the movie that we just saw? Uh, the Devil's Advocate, where I like yeah. only remembered the last 10 minutes of it. Um, <laughs> I remembered the whole thing, but it, it really still, like, it because of the questions that it asks and the things that it poses, there's a little bit of pretension there, which I didn't find before that I find now in some of mm-hmm. the, the sort of, like, philosophical questions how it how it tries to get into some of the metaphysical philosophical stuff sometimes i found that a little bit over the top but it still was a better movie than i thought it was going to be even knowing that it was going to be a good movie and remembering all of it it still surprised me when i went in to watch it again i was like wait this is more fun and enjoyable than i thought it was going to be i stopped taking notes after the red pill blue pill i don't yeah. have any notes for the movie because i just started watching the movie so good yeah, I I mean, this movie works. Absolutely. Uh, top marks, you know, across all the classic areas, you know, the pacing and obviously the plot is, is great. Um, character development is great. Super original story. Um, and, I mean, technically speaking, I think this thing set all kinds of records and kind of came up with really interesting new ways of filming I remember as a kid, I remember all the press around how they set up that rig to kind of like spin around the and cameras. Yep. And it was like earth shattering tech. So it's, I know. mean, I think it's probably if you talk to the average person on the street about like cinematography 
and tricks for making movies, I think the bullet time camera is the one thing that most people would pull out as like knowing about it because of this movie. Right. Yeah. And and Keanu, you know, found absolutely found his perfect role. Um, you know, it was just everything you want out of Keanu, just um, incredible action and um, you know, like you said, Andrew, it showed that he worked his ass off on this role. Um, and that's always like, people are always going to notice that and you're always going to appreciate that as a, as a movie goer. So, um, absolutely worked for me. I, I ended up watching it twice because I <laughs> may or may not have mistakenly watched it early. Yeah. But you gladly watched it the second time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, happily. I do think that Keanu is perfect for this role. Like, just so perfect for this role. I think the stuff that we've seen in other movies where you can, like, see the internal dialogue happening and stuff plays really well because you want this character to be experiencing everything around him, but you don't want him to be an empty vessel. Like, this isn't Twilight. We're not projecting ourselves into him. Um, And I think that he does that very well, of being, like receptive to the world around him but not being like a blank slate i think that he the way that he plays that i think a lot of people would err on one side or the other where they're not you know they're they're driving too much where it doesn't feel like it's happening to them or they're too too blank and and you don't see that internal stuff that's happening um the debate that's going on behind the scenes when he's just sitting there and people are talking at him for most of the movie yeah yeah I think he just nails it. He does such a good job at it. Um, I definitely, like, you can tell how much of this movie is practical because the few instances of CGI are very noticeable. Um, When they drop the elevator and there's the explosion and that one door flies out of the explosion, you can tell that it's CGI because nothing else is CGI. The the very few things that they did that were CGI aged and they look old, but so much of this movie does not look old. So much of this yep. movie looks like it was shot yesterday. Yeah. And that's incredible to me. The fact that it was not just the technology that they developed in their wire work and the bullet time camera, but also the other stuff that they did. Like they did so much practical stuff with the fighting and speeding up the film and oh, all of those things so that good. they did. It was revolutionary at the time, but still is revolutionary. Like, it still looks like it was just made for most of it. And that's amazing. Absolutely, It's like people should still make films like this, but they don't. (laughs) It's like, clearly it holds up. Yeah. I do have to disagree on the originality of the story. (gasps) Uh A little bit. Yeah, Johnny Mnemonic, right? this is... (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, no, I mean, like, not to be that blowhard ivory tower person that I was just saying I didn't want to be, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, Plato had the myth of the cave, which is the perceived world is nothing more than shadows on the wall. And I didn't realize until now, seeing it again at this age, how much of these very, like, as old as storytelling, as old as, um, you know, thinking about who we are and and why we exist, how much of it is actually layered into this movie? That's it's a very very old story, and I think that the way that they told it is is 
fresh and new. But I think that I didn't realize at the time how much of a very, very old story of just how human beings, everyone at some point thinks, what if none of this is real? Because of the yeah. way that our brains work and because of the way that we dream and everything, the the what is reality has been around pretty much as long as we've had words to express it. Um, and I think that it, I don't think that I remembered how much of that is part of this story and how much of that they tapped into. Huh. Yeah. No, that's, you make a, you make a lot of good points. I, uh, I, Plato's uh, cave allegory came up while doing some research for trivia, how much that actually inspired the writing of this film. Oh, really? Yeah, it did. I obviously I'm not going to use that, but you were you were dead on for that. The thing that I I want to highlight here cuz I think it's important is that it took the Wachowskis uh in my research over 5 years and 14 script revisions to arrive at this film. And mm. I think all of that hard work truly pays off. In the, I, I know this whole thing was like a huge uphill battle for them to get this made because Warner Brothers was like, we don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. And I guess at the time you're trying to explain this to someone like a, an executive and they're like, I, I don't know. What, what? We're in a computer. What? They're in a computer. What the hell is a computer? <laughs> yeah. So I love that, that overcoming all of the odds that this movie mm -hmm. exists and is as good as it is. It's crazy I, I good. I think so, too. There's so much with a movie like this where, like I said, I do feel a little bit of of this was, uh, for the first time, I felt there was a little bit of pretension there with the mm -hmm. like metaphysics that I didn't feel in previous watchings. Um, but even still, there was no line that was like cheesy or I rolled my eyes at. And to have a movie like this and to have nothing at all that stands out as like, not standing the test of time for one reason or another. There's not a single part of this movie that doesn't feel right. Even when there's stuff that I maybe feel is like pushing the message a little bit too hard. I still yeah. never once was like, that line shouldn't be here. Or this took me out of the movie. Every single thing is just like, it sucks you in and then it keeps you there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty great. I think I'll, I'll echo a lot of what you both said. I'll start with Keanu who I think, again, there is nobody who would be able to do this role better, either at the time or, or even now, really. I think he was the perfect kind of audience surrogate, right? You're not, he's not an empty vessel. It feels like you're sitting right next to him for the first 45 minutes of this movie, especially having watched it the first time, right? Where you're like, I don't understand mm -hmm. this. And almost everything he says is a question. And you're like, that was my question too. Thank you for addressing that, Neo. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think the way he absorbed it all and was kind of figuring it out and his process to arrive where he arrived, it was, it was so awesome and it felt so organic. I, I loved yeah. the, the character. In terms of pacing... This movie, <laughs> it's it's like a masterclass, right? We start off mm -hmm. at like a ten, right, and then we and then they bring it in. They're like, okay, let's get you, let's get some exposition in here, and it is a lot, right? This I, I forgot that this is a a pretty long movie. We're over, we're two hours mm -hmm. twenty minutes, something like that. Yeah, 
Right up, yeah, I guess Devil's Advocate, like right up there, even though Devil's Advocate didn't need to be nearly God, as Devil's long. Advocate felt <laughs> seven times longer. Oh, yeah. Than yeah. this movie did. Literally, I like looked down to take notes about Red Pill, Blue Pill, and how I'm bummed that that became a thing outside of the movie. And then yeah. I didn't look oh. down to my notes again until the credits were rolling. And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to take notes for the whole thing. <laughs> That's like right. my whole job is to take notes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to sherpa us through this in a, in a most, hopefully, most excellent way. But the movie did a great job of like establishing tension in a really great way because we have mm-hmm. we have stakes in two different places. We have stakes in the real world. We have stakes in the Matrix. You know, we get these incredibly beautifully choreographed fight scenes, and it's like just by the mm-hmm. nature of like we wrote a program. It's like we're in this beautiful sunbathed dojo, and we can fight. Mm-hmm. And now we're over here in this huge city. It was like so cool to, at a conceptual level. It blow. It still blows me away. Every scene in this movie is beautifully executed. And then once yep. you get to basically the rescue mission, the movie is at 11 for the for the duration of the film. It's I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, when when do they give us a break? And the answer is they do not. <laughs> Which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. Like Evan said, cinematography, editing, the fight choreogra- choreography, it was very clear that all of these people were doing all of this stuff. And that's the kind of thing that you don't really see except in John Wick now, which coincidentally (laughs) has a lot of the Mm -hmm. same people involved. So overall, it worked just like incredibly well for me. I I unabashedly love this movie. Yep. Yep. That's it. Uh, (laughs) That's it. Podcast over. (laughs) Does that mean it's time for the most important thing in, in all of the universe? (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, no one has ever called it that before. Until today. I think today. that's what it was called. <laughs> Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Team, you are in for a good one today. Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own Quizzer show where the host, in this case myself, asks the contestants each three questions worth a point. If one of them gets it wrong, the other one has a chance to steal and get that point. Mm. The host may also add bonus questions at the end worth a point value of my choosing. Let me just go ahead and say we have one, two, Three bonus questions and something brand new called the speed round. You guys are going to oh, love it. No, no, no. The, <laughs> the no. <laughs> this is a chance for both of you to really just tear ass away from me here. And I'm completely okay with that. The current scores are as follows. Whitney has 46. Ev has 25. I have 32. Whitney was our host last week. So she will be going first. I'm very excited about this. Are you excited? I'm excited. Not not anymore. Not <laughs> since I knew there was a speed round. It's a speed Audience, round. Are you excited? Literally, my worst fear is improv and having to come up with things on the spot. Okay. I, this won't be. Yes. This is not that. Trust me. I've made it. Okay. I've made it quick Just and say. painless. But here we go. Are we ready? 
This is going to be great. Oh, I'm so excited. Here we go. I'm excited. Let's start with an easy one. Whitney, what is the body count in this film? Whoa. Is it 28, 45, or 39? Oh, interesting options. All of that's all of that's more than I thought. So I'm going to go with the lowest one and say 28. Ooh, Evan, you got a chance to steal here, buddy. Mm. I don't know if you're going to do it, but you have the chance to. I believe in I'm going to try, Andrew. I'm sure shit going to try. <laughs> um, thirty-nine. You did it. <laughs> yeah. Thirty-nine, Evan. Oh my yes. gosh. I know that I'm going to fall to third place. It's it's Don't call it a comeback. My, this is my fall. Okay. <sighs> okay. Here we go, Ev. The Matrix has the largest clean sweep of nominated categories for a film that wasn't nominated for best picture. Do you get that? Well, mm-hmm. does that make mm-hmm. sense? Given Hold that on. Okay. Carry the one. Yeah. Given all that information, how many Academy Awards did this film win? Is it four, six, or five? Really? <laughs> Couldn't give us more of a window than that? <laughs> yeah. Listen, there are only so many Academy Awards. Is it's, it four, six, or five? Four, Is five, it one, or two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, or seven? Is it all of them or none of them? Uh, um, I'm going to say... Four. Oh my God! Swinging! What's happening? Watch out! What is this world that we live in here? Mm. I, right. I like Matrix. I'm just saying. All right, you know stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, I got to. That's all right. Some of these get real esoteric real quick. Here you go. I definitely guessed both of those. Just all to right. clarify, Whitney's got this one. Here we go. Which of the following actors was not considered for the role of Neo? Okay. Oh. This shit is crazy. <laughs> Was it John Cusack, David Duchovny, or Mark Wahlberg? Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say Mark Wahlberg. Whoa. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg was actually offered the role. Offered the role. Wow. That's oh my god! I want to watch that movie. Well, don't don't I worry. Do not. We're gonna get into <laughs> I, we're gonna get into some other weird casting stuff in just a minute. But Evan, um, I'm gonna say uh, Duchovny. Duchovny uh. was also offered the role of Neo wow. and turned it down. John Cusack, he's the one. He lobbied hard to be Neo, but never got what? an offer ever. He, he was like, like tried to be. Yes, very That's much. I, thought, I remember. Oh, I remember something about that. Like yeah. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I remember John Cusack being attached to this movie as wanting to be in it, or being offered it, or being something. And that's why he was one of the ones that I definitely thought was in. So I, you know, again, never rule anything out because when you rule something out, that's <laughs> the wrong one to rule out. Fun mm-hmm. fun fact. I also got here. Another person who actually turned down this role was Leonardo DiCaprio, and he was worried about too many visual effects. That was his concern, which is pretty crazy. 
All right, Ev. I'm just considering Titanic, you know? Too many visual effects? All right, here we go. <laughs> In Greek mythology, Morpheus is the god of what? Healing, rebirth, or dreams? Whoa. Healing, rebirth, or dreams? Mm-hmm. Um... Stop it. Hold on. I got to apply logic here because they probably thought about this. She's psyching you out. They probably thought about this. It's like the only Matrix trivia I know. (laughs) It's got to be. I like that Rebirth is in there. But the whole movie is about like you're living in a fake world. So it's got to be dreams. Yes, Gosh, logic through deductive reasoning. What? Yes. Oh, yes. Here is a fun fact that I found out about this as well. His ship is named after the biblical king Nebuchadnezzar, who yeah. has a dream that he can't remember but keeps searching for an answer. Whoa, cool! I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a real Nebuchadnezzar. You know I'm no king, but. I right. mean, who hasn't been like, what the hell did I <laughs> dream about? <laughs> if you're interested in, in uh, finding that, it's Daniel 2, verses 1 through 49, which sounds like well, a lot of verses a, in the Bible. Let me but grab my, grab if, my uh, Bible. Yeah, just do that while this is Whitney's turn, so you can grab the Bible. Hmm. One of the main actors in this film was actually in a short-lived 1993 television series called Matrix. <laughs> Who <What>? was it? <laughs> was it <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss, Gloria Foster, that's the Oracle, or Joey Pants, as you so lovingly refer to <laughs> Joey uh, Pants. I'm going to go with my buddy Joey Pants. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is... I knew this was going to happen today. Really? Uh-oh. I thought you'd yeah. be, I thought you'd be crushing. It's all right. You're Me still crushing. You're still crushing regardless, so it doesn't matter. Wait, what were it was um uh, Carrie Ann Moss, Gloria Foster, and Joey Pants. But it's not pants. It's not pantalons. So, who would have been on the television? <laughs> this guy uh, I feel like Gloria Foster. Oh, God it was, damn it. It was Carrie. Carrie was on a show called Matrix. Wasn't she too busy for that? Jeez. Apparently it was like about a hitman. His name was like Ed Matrix or something like that. Real stupid. One season, 1993. Don't watch it. Hmm. <laughs> I found it on YouTube. All right. Ev. Uh, yeah. The first time this actor saw the film, they said, my character scared the shit out of me. Was it Hugo Weaving, Lawrence Fishburne, or Keanu Reeves? Mm, Hugo Weaving. Come on. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Whitney? Mm, that sounds like a Keanu Reeves thing to say. Is that your answer? Yes. Oh, wow. Larry. What? It was I, Larry. I, I was he scared. Never failed so badly at anything in my life. It's okay. 
It's okay. Because I am at Matrix Trivia. <laughs> I don't Evans find Lawrence's character to be, like, scary in this film. I, I mean, he's... Mm, he's uh, imposing. But, and yeah. also, he's tearing people, he's literally tearing people out of, like, a reality and bringing them into mm -hmm. garbage. Literal mm -hmm. garbage. Yeah, I but mean, that's, like, freeing. He's a savior. Joey Pants didn't think so. That's true. Just saying. Oh, team, we've arrived at the bonus round. We got three bonus oh questions. Here's how this is going to go. I'm going to ask these questions. This first one, you both have the opportunity to answer. I want you take them. take a minute. You're going to just tell me your answer. All right. If you both get it right, you both get a point. All right. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. In an online interview when the film was first released, the Wachowskis revealed they'd both take the same pill. Which pill would they choose? <laughs> Who's gonna the answer blue first? Pill. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who answers first. You just have to answer. Uh, I mean, for the fun of this, I'm gonna say red. Okay, so Whitney said blue. The blue pill. And Evan said red. So, Whitney. You got that one. The blue pill. I would also take the blue pill. <laughs> Savage. Unbelievable. Mm. You and mm. Joey let, Pants. Let me live in my delusions is kind of my whole life motto. So. <laughs> it's kind of my life motto. That should go on the cover of this movie. I, I kind of want some kind of mix, look. you know? I, I want to like know it was a thing so that I could then do whatever I want. Yeah, you don't but get anyways. to do that, though. That's yeah, neat. Well, That's neat. What happens if I take both? <laughs> Nobody talked about that. He dies instantly. <laughs> you right. implode. Here's a good one. The Wachowskis instructed Lawrence Fishburne to base his performance on the same named character Morpheus in the Sandman comics written by this person. No gaming. Jesus Christ. I didn't even have my finger. There you go. <laughs> Whitney. Whew. Finally one that I knew. All right, great. Here's another one. This is going to be multiple choice, but I want you to both answer. It's not first answer. Just tell me what you think. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. In the first 45 minutes of this film, how many lines does Neo have? Is it 80, 98, or 62? 62. I think it's 62 too. Ah, shit. 80. Mm, 80 lines. 80. Fun fact, 44 of the 80 lines are questions. And if you break <laughs> that down, he basically asks one question a minute for 45 minutes. Just That's like the awesome. rest of us in 1999 were doing. What the hell yep. is going I'm on? I'm still doing it. All right. We've arrived. Can you hear me rubbing my hands together here? This is very exciting. I can. This is the speed round, okay? Here's, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to list some actors who may or may not have been in the running to play Morpheus, okay? After mm. I say their name, just give me a yes or no to indicate whether you believe they were or they weren't, okay? Each one of these is a point. Whoa. Whoa. So think about it. All right? Wait, can it be multiple people that work? I guess so, right? Yeah. I'm going to list a name. You tell me yes, no. I'm going to list the next name. You tell me yes, no. Okay. Next name, Great. yes, no. There you go. And you could both say yes, you could both say no, whatever you want. Oh, this is exciting. Here we go. Morgan Freeman 
Yes. No. Okay. Denzel Washington. Yes. Yes. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, shit. Yes. No. Malcolm McDowell. No. Mm, No. Robert De Niro. Yes. Yikes. Yes, but I don't want that movie. (laughs) I want to see that. Him and Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) I definitely do not want to see that movie. (laughs) Oh, man. Where was I? Robert De Niro. Okay. Gary Oldman. Yes. Yes. And finally, Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm going to stop the music right here. And I'm going to go ahead and say that every one of those people was considered for Morpheus. Whoa. Okay. Rad. So, Ev and Whitney, you each got five points for the speed round, which is incredible. We're setting new (laughs) records here. Holy (laughs) Evan, surprising all of us with your best round ever. What is happening? I can hear the cheers from our audience if you listen close. Whitney <laughs> Whitney got seven points. Evan got eight points. I got zero because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> that brings Whitney to 53. Evan Holy shit. to 33. And oh, I have man. 32. And I called yes. it in the beginning. I gave away <laughs> too many points. <laughs> I was so scared of the bonus round. But thank you, Andrew, for the bonus round. Because without it, My lead would have been much diminished. Right. Let's talk about some, we could talk about some dream casting here. You know, like like the two of you were saying, imagine a world where we had, I don't know, Samuel L. Jackson being a mentor to, I don't know, David Duchovny. (laughs) Oh, man. Whoa, you're freaking my bean. What kind of world is that? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Wow. So I don't like it. Like I could see Samuel L. Jackson. I could see David Duchovny. I cannot see the two together at all. (laughs) Bob De Niro. You can't see though. Not at all. I can't see him as Morpheus. Like he's just not a a calm, cool. I'm going to suck you out of your cozy world into a pile of shit, but it's for the best. And now I'm going to mentor you. I just don't. I see him as too like intense. Hmm. Yeah, he's got a too like off a quiet the handle, intensity. like not 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 as as staid as Morpheus is in this movie. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. So I would not want that movie. It turned out perfectly as is. Let's keep it the way it is. Let's not talk about that. Anymore. I agree. None of I those think people. Carrie on Moss crushed it. I think Lawrence Fishburne crushed it. Yeah, I think. Hugo Weaving crushed it so hard. He might be the best part of this movie, and we're going to get to that. I think so. No, wait, what's the name of the oracle? She crushed it the most. Gloria, I just had her name. Gloria yeah, Foster. you did. You just said it. Yeah. She, she crushed it even more than Hugo Weaving, but just by like a hair, like just by the skin of her teeth. <laughs> right. Mm. Given how much she screen time she Hugo had. Weaving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they were like, we need someone in this cold, harsh reality to 
immediately make everybody trust them. Like audience, actors, every person, every personality type that comes across, this person needs to be someone that they trust and look up to as a a almost parental type figure. Like this is the sage, the elder. And that's hard to do because in sci-fi stuff where you can't trust anything around you, like it would be so easy to not trust this person. And that actress is so immediately, it's like, you literally feel like warmth filling the movie where it's so cold and it's so like gritty and they suck all the color out of stuff and everything is a green tint when you're in a computer and a blue tint (laughs) when you're in real life because it's like just the whole thing. Like they do so much to make it so like not have warmth. And then all of a sudden she's on screen and she manages to fill the whole scene with warmth. And I just don't know how she does it. Yeah. I think it's when she said, bake your noodle. That got me. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's when like, she, that that line of this will really bake your noodle. Yeah. Would you have knocked it over if I hadn't said anything? Huh? So funny. <laughs> she says it with so much personality. Yep. And then also you're like, oh, shit, that does bake my noodle. Yeah. You're like, wait, what's the answer, though? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait, stay, stay, wait, no, no, leave. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready to get into this? I'm going to move. Yeah. I'm going to move at a clip through. I was going to say let's let's tear through it because a everybody's already seen it, and b we're we're looking at a runtime close to the movie if we go through the movie in detail. Hell's yeah! That's all right. I have a couple clips that I pulled that are about a, that mm-hmm. average about forty seconds. Were apiece. any of them Rob Zombie's Dragula, which I <laughs> completely forgot was the first song you hear in this movie? <laughs> uh, they were uh, not. Uh, unfortunately, okay. Dragula. I didn't want to get. I didn't want that to be the copyright strike that knocked us off the internet. So <laughs> yeah, no. I don't care no, about. We use propeller heads. It in your minds, yeah. <laughs> listeners. When we get to a rave club, that's the music. That's. Pl- I was like, that was the only thing that took me out of this movie. Was like, oh shit, I did not remember that Rob Zombie's Dragula <laughs> was in the club rave scene. Yeah, was that a was that Ooh, a real thing? That brought, that brought was- back. A lot of memories. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't part of that world. So I mean, it could have been. I don't think it was, but uh, doesn't as, seem likely. As someone who's been professionally in the Halloween circuit, as uh, Evan said earlier, um, I've heard that song a lot. There you in go. Houses. Yeah. No. I mean, they didn't play it in my maze because my maze was spider themed. But yeah, I have professionally heard that song a lot of times. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's that and Echolalia by Dead Can Dance. Okay. <laughs> Let me write that down. Hold on. Before I get started. Yeah, put that in the big data machine. Big data Echolalia machine. by Dead Can Dance. It's all calculating dance. just all these Whitney facts at the end uh-huh. here. It'll be good. Okay. Just, right. At the Perfect. end, you'll be able to spit out one of me. <laughs> and then I can just sleep all the time. Yes. That'd be great. And, and Data go. Whitney can take over. Right. Data Whitney, get to work. God damn it. You're late. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Dad Whitney is never late. <laughs> That's your catchphrase. New catchphrase. <laughs> All right. We open on an abandoned hotel, and a woman who we learn is named Trinity is making a phone call to an unknown character. It's traced somehow, and then she's cornered by two SWAT units. In my opinion, this might be the single greatest character introduction of all time. Uh, she quickly I think it might be. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not being facetious. I think that this, you, we see her, 
She puts her hands behind her back. There's a cool split diopter shot. She turns around. <laughs> crane you get a really kick. good ass and PVC shot first. You're like, whoa, who's this smoking hottie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing the hacking in this abandoned building. And then Boom. Hugo Weaving's like, your men are already dead. Yeah. It's crazy. And then you cut to her pulling some sweet moves you've never seen on film before. Ever. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> It's nuts. This is our first introduction to, to bullet time, as it turns out. Uh, so, so rad. And Whitney mentions they do a fantastic job throughout this film of really lighting Carrie Ann Moss's ass. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the elevator scene, this She's scene. She's not a person that you traditionally think of as like, when you think of asses. Right. Hers is nowhere near the list. Correct. Yeah, but it would be a long time before I got to Carrie Ann Moss if I was writing whose butts do I like. <laughs> right. It would be years. <laughs> like we're talking monkey on a typewriter writing Hamlet length of time before I got to Carrie Ann Moss just because wow. I'm like, oh well, now <laughs> there's people left. So Carrie Ann Moss. I would <laughs> right. never think of her as a butt person, but they yeah. did a very good job of accentuating it in they did this it. movie. They did it. So uh like Whitney said. The agents show up. She handily dispatches this team of SWAT. It's like 12 guys. She destroys them. And she begins to flee the scene, pursued by an uh, this mysterious agent, as you all know. You know what an agent is. Uh, she eventually makes it to a ringing public telephone. The important part here is that it's hardwired. And then she vanishes in the thin air. And we're all left wondering, the first time we saw this, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. What happened? <laughs> Then we cut to I some... love that it's a trash truck. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, a trash truck through the booth, through the wall. No. It's just perfect. And yeah. they, like, show a trash truck burning out. It's just great. <laughs> so good. What's a thing that would be there? What's a vehicle that would be, like, around, right? Trash truck. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. We cut to some nerdy computer programmer named Thomas Anderson. This guy's asleep at his desk. He's probably running MySQL queries on some guy named Morpheus. What a nerd. Hey, here's here's a fun fact. I was watching a video of a real, like, computer security expert hacker guy um, talking about hacking in film and, and, like, critiquing how bad it is or whatever. Yeah. And they went through a whole bunch of films and The Matrix is routinely across the board most accurate than just about any other movie as far as like what actually is the closest to happen. Okay, okay. They're still making stuff Hmm. up. (laughs) Right, but it's less made up shit than everything else. It's less made up than most things like in the movie Hackers where you're like digitally going through high rises of information and stuff. I'd be curious to know where Johnny Mnemonic ranks on that list. Uh, probably not very high. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Mnemonic ranks uh, on hacking where Carrie Ann Moss's ass ranks on asses. That's about nailed it. <laughs> Full circle. I'm just trying. I'm trying here. Here we go. I'm not. I'm not trying to tear down Carrie Ann Moss on her ass. By the way, it's not a bad butt. It's just she's never a person that I would think of as right. having a having a good butt. Yeah, it's not. It's it's unremarkable. Can we agree yeah. on that? Not kind of, in this movie. And it, it's quite it, remarkable correct. in this movie. Yeah, it's all it's I all about lighting. I've remarked on it a lot. <laughs> all right, Tom. So I'm going to call him Tom going forward. Tom is known in the hacking world by his alias Neo. 
And he's got this weird suspicion, the spidey sense, you know, something's wrong with the world. He's puzzled by, you know, he just gets this feeling that something's wrong. And he is encountering these online situations with this concept called the Matrix, right? Trinity eventually contacts him via the terminal, which I didn't know was a thing you could do. Tells him that a man named Morpheus has the answers he seeks. Gaining information from a clandestine source, the agents track and apprehend Tom, and then they threaten him, you know, in a pretty effective scene. Uh, They want to capture Morpheus. They say, he's a terrorist. We know that you're going to be in contact with him. He's a terrorist. We want him. This is the intro to uh, one of the best villains ever, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is Agent Mm -hmm. Smith. This is Hugo Weaving. I have this little interaction here, and I want to play it because it's great. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. It seems that you've been living two lives. In one life, you're Thomas A. Anderson, program writer for a respectable software company. You have a social security number, you pay your taxes, and you help your landlady carry out her garbage. The other life is lived in computers, where you go by the hacker alias Neo and are guilty of virtually every computer crime we have a law for. One of these lives has a future, and one of them does not. Themes begin to emerge here. Obviously, this dual life situation, as we've addressed, the Wachowskis have in many of their pieces of media, this thing about having two lives, it's Mm -hmm. very applicable to them. It's writing Mm -hmm. from experience. Wait, before we move on, can we just talk about how great Hugo Weaving's accent is? It's incredible. Because he's not doing like an American accent. He's doing... He made up an accent unique unto itself to be an agent. And it works so well because there's something not quite human about it. But it's also at the same time very human and has a lot of little like ticks and stuff. And I don't know how much of that is Hugo Weaving and how much of that is planned out. But it's just it's such a good accent because it there's something about it in the way that he hangs on certain words and draws them out in ways that we don't. And um and considering that he does not have an american accent uh like the r's and stuff he does a very weird r but it 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 so works as something that is you know appears human but is something about it just says other yeah it's great i just love his vocal characterizations in this movie it's so good siri alexa they're all going to get there eventually it's going to be real weird when they start talking like him Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll sign me up. <laughs> of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mr. Too. Anderson is, uh, he's, he eventually gets intercepted uh, by Trinity and taken to meet Morpheus, right? There was a little bit of a scuffle. They put this little squid thing in his belly button. It was super gross. Trinity finds him. They suck it out with this cool vacuum thing. It's crazy. One thing that I think is very interesting about this movie, and and I don't remember enough from other Wachowski stuff to be able to say if it's a theme in just The Matrix or if it's a theme in all Wachowski stuff, just like the the dual life thing. Um, Penetration 
is a very big theme in this movie. Mm. It happens a lot in a lot of different ways. And the like the force feeding through the tube and the the tubes in the body and the spine and the brain and the tracker going in through the belly button and all of it is something that I found very interesting watching it now because that's not something I ever would have picked up in any of the other times that I've seen it. But always that belly button insect scorpion tracker thing yeah. going into his belly button was my least favorite part of the movie the first time I saw it. My least favorite part of the movie every time I've seen it since. Still yeah. to this day, my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It's, I hate that. It's disgusting, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Yeah, Trinity brings him to meet Morpheus. And then Morpheus tells him what the Matrix is. And uh, I have that too, because again, Lawrence Fishburne, crushing it. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. You know, having heard that, I want to rule out like a lot of those actors that I listed for being Morpheus. That basically, <laughs> that's <laughs> Lawrence's to lose, right? And yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Anthony Hopkins could pull those lines off, but I don't know about any of those other people, really. Anthony Hopkins definitely could. Yeah, he's great. He's but great I think everything. a lot of them could not. That's the thing is a lot of the other people that you talked about, just emotions get the better of them. Yeah. To be able to deliver a speech like that. Like, it just wouldn't play as well. Lawrence Fishburne is not detached because he cares very deeply. And it's very clear from the first second you see him, he is very invested in what's going on. But there's still a detachment and a measuredness to his, the way that he delivers everything that it, a lot of actors couldn't do. Absolutely. He then offers, this is the key point of the movie, right? The inflection. He gives him the choice between two pills. Red, show him the truth about the Matrix. Blue, he goes back to just living life. Uh, Ignorance is bliss type situation. He takes the red pill and his reality literally disintegrates around him. He awakens in this uh, goo-filled pod. (laughs) Goo pod. Goo pod. Uh, and it's among just an almost an infinite number of other people in the same situation. It's a very elaborate uh, battery system that we find out in a second. He is uh, flushed down the toilet because he's believed to be uh, he's broken, I guess. The machines are like, nah. And then uh, he is brought aboard Morpheus's ship, which is called the Nebuchadnezzar, which we referenced in Pop Quiz. Neo begins a uh, really intense physical therapy regime since he's never used any of the muscles in his body. It's crazy. Uh, Morpheus explains the truth, uh, which is that 21st century war between humans and AI. Humans uh, presumably nuked the sky. Just kind of, it's like Terminator kind of situation because the machines relied on solar. The machines were like, (laughs) guess what? Humans are way better than the sun anyway. So we're going to use them. 
and they keep them pacified in the matrix, like a VR simulation, right? It's modeled after the world about 20 years ago, 1999, 1998, 1999. So the machines have taken over the world, the surface, right? And then there's the city of Zion that's the last kind of bastion of hope. And that's close to the core of the earth where it's still warm. So Morpheus and his crew, we get this explanation. They Their job essentially is recruitment. They hack into the matrix. They free those they think are ready. They're, uh, this, they have like an understanding of the rules that enable them to bend them and break them. So that's why we get these really cool superhuman abilities like being able to jump across buildings and the cool crane kick and the bullet time. We also learn here that death in the Matrix kills the physical body and that the Matrix is patrolled by, we learn what the agents are, they're programs. Uh, anybody who is in the Matrix can be an agent, potentially. And uh, they are just tasked with like, they're, they are terminators, essentially. They, are, they just eliminate threats to the system. Meanwhile, in the real world, there's another thing called a sentinel or a squiddy, as they say. And mm -hmm. uh, that, that thing's job is to search and destroy real humans in the real world. So we have two threats. And that's Any organism not in a pod, basically. <laughs> yeah, we're going to crush it, destroy it. These things, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like a giant squid creature. It's a pretty cool, it's got a whole bunch of tools on each one of its arms. It's pretty neat. One's a yeah. laser, one's it's a claw. Like a steampunk squid. <laughs> yes, exactly. We get into virtual combat training, which is just like a really cool sequence of events that I'm sure, you know, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't seen it, but here we go. Uh, Neo starts displaying like a crazy prowess for this stuff. He learns like 700 different forms of martial arts in like 10 hours. It's crazy. And uh, this just reinforces to Morpheus, like, oh, I think this is it. This guy is the one, right? Mm -hmm. So training program, training program, girl in the red dress. Should be worth noting, this is the second movie in a row where Keanu was distracted by a woman in a red dress. Pretty neat. Hmm. Themes emerge. The group then goes to visit the Oracle. Uh, and this is like one of the greatest people, greatest people ever. She's like this prophet. I guess you could say, who has predicted, like, the one is going to save us, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, everyone that, like, comes out of the Matrix gets their own prediction. Yeah, which it is really great. Like everyone's got their own sort of, this is how things are going to go. Yeah. And, and so over the course, we saw, like, the you know, during the training, we saw, like, you got to free your mind. You think that's air you're breathing. Uh, you know, all, all of these things that Morpheus is trying to tell him to kind of get him to open up. But I think very succinctly with just a few words, the child here is what kind of sets Neo on the right path. I have this clip right here. It's 10 seconds, but it's, it's, it's awesome. I still love this line. It's iconic. Yeah. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. That's when it starts. I think that's when it starts to click for him. I could be wrong, but like that seemed to be the point where the, like a, a kind of a tipping point. I, I think that line has been referenced in my life at least once a year since the movie came out. <laughs> mm -hmm. At least. I think probably more. I think I have heard or said there is no spoon more than once a year. since. It came out. <laughs> it's right. sad because it's never 
with any kind of seriousness. Yeah. But it's still great. Right. There was no, there's no gravitas behind it. That kid delivered it with the most gravitas that line will ever have. Never yeah. again. Never again. <laughs> right. I always forget that he had like an awesome accent too. Yeah. It's like a little, he, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to try to draw parallels, but that kid was kind of like maybe a little Buddha. Hmm? Hmm? Oh God. Hmm? No? Okay. Let's you, move so, on. <laughs> you said you weren't going to do it and then you did it. I, so. I, all right. I did. I did done it. The Oracle gives us some bad news. She says, Neo, you're not the one. And uh, also, sorry, you're going to have to choose between Morpheus' life and your own. Sorry for all the yeah. bad news. He walks away, but she he gives him a cookie, and that seems to cheer him up. She says it's going to cheer him up, and it does. <laughs> it, was like an, it was definitely like an oatmeal raisin cookie, though, so that wouldn't have cheered me up. If it was like a chocolate chip, John, then, then we're talking. I don't know. It depends on how good a homemade oatmeal raisin cookie it was. That's true. I've had some really dank oatmeal raisin cookies, <laughs> but I've also had some that were dank. not worth the calories of consuming. Yeah, I guess no, right out of the oven. I've had some. I d- I've had some real, like, basically just enough oatmeal to keep the butter there, and it's nice. so cinnamony and buttery, and it's just like, wow, this is really great. Uh, but also, there's a lot of really terrible oatmeal raisin cookies out there. Raisins should never be in cookies, and <laughs> I'm not gonna take that back. So, all right, I gotta. Uh, I'm just. Uh, let me write that down too here. Yeah, that's the data. Most people that eat raisins and cookies thought they were chocolate chips. <laughs> I love the. So. Please give me the numbers. I'd love to run the numbers on that as well. I just, <laughs> I just need to be you able to plug sure. those into the yeah. machine. Uh, have those over on my desk by tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they leave. They leave the Oracle's uh, uh, flat, I guess, whatever you want to call it. At this point, the group is ambushed by the agents and the tactical police, the SWAT. Uh, they were tipped off by the traitor, who we find out is Cypher Joey Pants, son of a bitch. Yep. Uh, son he's... of a bitch, Joey <laughs> Pants. What are you doing? He's pissed because he thought Morpheus lied to him. So he he basically wants to be plugged back into the Matrix and have his memory of ever being removed uh, erased, which is mm-hmm. crazy. But there you go. Morpheus sacrifices himself uh, so that he, the, the the rest of the crew can to can escape. And the re- by rest of the crew, I really just mean Trinity and Neo. Now, Switch and Apoc are also there, but we'll find out what happens to them in a minute. Uh, oh, Morpheus wow. tries to take on an agent, Smith, and he gets his ass kicked, as expected, because, come on. Mm-hmm. Cypher exits the matrix back into the real world. And then what he does is he goes and he starts murdering people. So he goes to kill tank who is the, uh, pilot of the, mm-hmm. um, thing. And then his older brother dozer, he uses like this cool lightning gun to shoot both of them. And then he just pulls the plug from APOC and switch and they just die. Cause that's how that works. And that's very mm-hmm. sad. We get that line. Yeah. Not like this. And that was, yeah. oh, I felt terrible. That was bullshit. Uh, it seems like a flaw. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, Neo got out same way. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, he woke up. But Neo's and then, the one. Right. All right. Fair enough. But is he the one right now? That's the whole thing of like, where's your soul? Is it in the computer? Or is it in your body? If it's not in your body, then you're, when your body, when you're unplugged, then your soul is separated from your body and you're dead. Yeah. Nailed it. I wanted to. Sense. I wanted to note a special line here 
that I, I glossed over from the Oracle. I just remembered it. She says, you're not the one. You're waiting for something. Maybe your next life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what she, those are the exact words. That comes into play in just a minute. Mm-hmm. So we're back, we're, we're in the Matrix. Eventually, Neo and Trinity escape. They, you know, tank. Turns out he was just grazed by the lightning gun. So he kills Cypher. He kills him good. Really kills him. So now we have a choice to make. Tank's like, I think we should unplug Mor- Morpheus because what they're doing is in the Matrix, they're interrogating him to get the codes to Zion. And if they do that, the whole thing falls apart. All of humanity is lost. Right. There's this, this is this is incredible. Hugo Weaving interrogating uh, Morpheus here. I have this mm-hmm. clip. I love this. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I've somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive, isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key, my key. Once Zion is destroyed, there is no need for me to be here. Do you understand? I need the codes. I have to get inside Zion. And you have to tell me how. You're going to tell me, or you're going to die. It is incredible, the acting mm-hmm. here between these Literally, two. Literally, I was like hanging on every word yeah. in that scene. And having heard it all before, I did not think it would be that captivating, but it was that captivating. Yeah. It was... Uh, so good. So good. He just, oh, Hugo Weaving is so good at this role. <laughs> like what you said, like the word, the, the, when he's like, it's the smell, like all of those weird inflections that he mm-hmm. does. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so perfect. He takes mm-hmm. the glasses yep. off. He takes the earpiece out. He's like, let's get real. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, it's, it's so funny. Like Morpheus and crew want to get people out of the matrix. He also wants to, he's like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I want to leave. I don't want to be here either, you fucko. I hate right. this. You're preventing yeah. me from leaving. It's it's pretty rad. So they decide we're not going to kill Morpheus. We need him. Neo's like thinking about the prophecy in his head. So they're like, we're gonna go in. Trinity and I, we're gonna rescue this guy. So we get the jump program, guns, lots of guns. Great call forward to John Wick chapter three. Guns, lots of guns. I love that. <laughs> they go into the lobby of this government military facility. <laughs> and this is when it just cranks up to 11. And this is where it stays. We get like the iconic lobby shootout scene set to propeller heads. They win. They get through that. Tons of slow motion. Particles flying everywhere. Shit's breaking. People are dying. It's great. Agent Smith is none the wiser because apparently he took his earpiece out. That's the only way he has to communicate with the rest of the Matrix. They get in the elevator, head on up to the roof, blow up the elevator so no one could come up behind them. 
On the roof is a helicopter. We find out this is the rescue plan. They're going to steal this helicopter and kill everybody in the room except Morpheus with this really badass minigun. <laughs> and it works beautifully. There is a shot that I think is one of the best shots in all of movies here. And I sure, mm -hmm. I'm sure you two know what it is. From below, looking up at the helicopter, shooting into that room, the water's pouring out, the shells yep. are falling, everything's in mm -hmm. slow motion. I was like, that mm -hmm. still gave me chills mm -hmm. to see that. It mm -hmm. was so good. Neo in the minigun blows all the agents away. Great. Morpheus starts to wake up, breaks out of his chain, starts running to jump onto the helicopter. He gets shot in the leg by uh, a reborn Agent Smith situation. <laughs> Neo saves him. <laughs> you know, this whole situation's amazing. They get in the helicopter. Agent Smith shoots the hydraulic fluid. Morpheus gets dropped on a building. Helicopter's crashing. Neo whips the thing around his arm. Trinity jumps out. It's like, oh, such a, like, everything about it. It's like some of the yep. best choreography you've ever seen. Definitely. So... In the real world, because they were like, they're trying to save him, the machines deployed a group of sentinels to attack the Nebuchadnezzar, right? They can find the Nebuchadnezzar based on like electrical signals, I guess, or whatever. Uh, because the first time we see the sentinels, the whole ship powers down, they turn off all the electronics, they arm this EMP. They're like, if worst case scenario, we'll just blow them the hell up. Great. Back in the Matrix, Morpheus, Trinity, Neo, they get to the subway station. Morpheus is like, I'm out, grabs the phone, disappears. Trinity, she goes, she starts to say something, and Neo's like, yeah, come on, go, get, get, later, let's go. She gets on the phone. Right at the moment she's about to disappear, Agent Smith uh, takes over a hobo, and uh, he, he sh pulls out this gun, shoots the phone, ruining Neo's chances of escape. And here, uh, this is where it all happens, right? We get uh, one of the coolest fights ever. The jump at each other, shooting, spinning, all this stuff. Crazy bullet so time. So good. Oh, my God. It's a very, it's an awesome fight. We had that scene where, like, Neo goes to punch, and the punch gets blocked, and then he extends his fingers and chokes him a little bit. Everything about it's so good. They thought <laughs> yeah. of everything. Uh -huh. Yep. It looks like Neo's about to die. Subway train's going to come hit him. He jumps up. He's realizing he has all these powers, right? He was able to dodge bullets briefly. He was able to do some crazy maneuvers on Smith here. He jumps up, smashes that guy, flips out. Smith gets hit by a train. Guess what? Train stops. Smith is back because he's unstoppable. A chase ensues, all right? I don't want to bore you with the details of this chase. Smith kills Neo, right? With a lot of bullets. It was an unnecessary <laughs> amount of bullets. Mm -hmm. He shoots. He empties a clip, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he's like, great, job done. I'm out. And you start walking away. Cut back to the real world. Sentinels have breached the hull and they are about to oh, kill our God. heroes, right? I Trinity. Hate those things. <laughs> right. They use lasers and their weird arms. Ugh, they're so aggressive. Sentinels breach the hull. They're about to kill our heroes. They're making their way down to the bottom deck where the situation's all set up. Trinity, she's. Devastated. Neo has died, but she whispers to him, You can't be dead because my prophecy from the Oracle was that I would fall in love with the one. So you can't die because I'm in love with you. She kisses him and his heart starts like immediately. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Disney moment. With this revival, 
I believe that that was the moment that the prophecy was fulfilled, right? You're waiting for your next life. So technically he died, and this is his next <laughs> life. He now has the power to perceive and control the Matrix. He sees the code now. He doesn't see anything except code, at least when he's in there, I guess. The agents try to kill him again. It's the best scene ever. He just, you know, you're telling me I could dodge bullets? No, and I'm telling you that eventually you won't have to. <laughs> he just stops them. That's a great line. Neo, you know, Agent Smith comes in for the punch punch fight. Uh, Neo has none of that. One arm, just blocking all that shit. <laughs> Kills him. It's great. He gets out of the Matrix just in time. They set off the EMP. Squiddies are dead. Everything's okay in the real world also. The movie ends with a phone call to the machines, I guess. Basically to the agents. And he promises... You know what? I have the clip. I won't do it justice. This is our boy ending, you know, arguably one of the, the greatest movies ever made. Here it is. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. So, just want to fight. I'm just gonna let that play. I feel like that should have been Cashmere from Led Zeppelin, and they just it was couldn't. pretty close. Yeah, actually. I know. It really sounds exactly <laughs> like it. Neo exits the phone booth. He puts on his glasses. He smirks at the camera. It's great. It's such a subtle thing that he does. And then mm -hmm. right around this point here, it, you, we zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, and then he takes off into the sky. There it is. That's just, just flying away, just Superman style. Rage Against the Machine plays us out, you know, very much of the time. But that it was still a very affecting ending. I was like, wow, mm -hmm. that is some shit. And mm -hmm. especially when you consider like Wachowski's, th that was like, this was our movie. No real intention to do more, <laughs> right? Uh, it was perfect. It was it was such a great great wrap up to this it, it, it i have no words for it it's perfect that's it that's the matrix that's that's oh it. my god that's the matrix that's a wrap okay it's gonna be close on this one i'm, I'm thinking it's gonna be close do you recommend this film <laughs> yes i do recommend this <gasps> evan i'm gonna split the difference <laughs> You can't divide by zero. Okay. And go with yes. <laughs> I also uh, recommend this film. You'd be, uh, I don't know why I'd be here if I didn't recommend this film. Here's a really uh, kind of interesting and cool part. Where does this fall on both of your lists? Number one. Uh, uno. All right. It's unanimous. The Matrix takes the number one spot from speed. Wait, does that mean all of our number twos are now speed? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
All of us are the Matrix and then Speed in yeah. one and two. How about that? I wonder if more patterns like this will begin to emerge <laughs> as we get further into the Keanu timeline. Hmm. No mm. reckoning is going to ruin this, mm. you know? You know? Mm -hmm. Something to think about. All right. So with that, next week, Evan will be leading mm. us through a movie called Me and Will. Um, yeah. <laughs> have, have we seen this? Has, has anyone seen this? I have no idea. No. Nope. Never even heard of this. Luckily, it's on Amazon Prime because... I tried to get this movie, and it is extremely difficult to get a copy of this movie, like legitimately or otherwise. So thank God that Amazon has this. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know what to think, you know? We had, last time I committed suicide, I hated that movie. It's at the very bottom of my list. We had The Devil's <laughs> Advocate. I was like in the middle of my list. Then we have The Matrix, and that is at the top of my list. Literally three movies has had the biggest swing ever that you can have in your career. So, so I'm very curious where we go from here. We have about six movies in between this and the next Matrix film. I'm curious. I want to see what he gets up to. I'm excited. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm curious for the next few. See, see how they go. We're, we're at the end here, right? We're Nothing done. else. I think we did it. Oh my God. Hold on a sec. I'm now I'm just curious. Oh we my did God. The dang thing. We're doing it, and we're, we're you coming can, in. You can land. <laughs> we're coming in under the length of the movie by a lot. It's great. Flaps down. <laughs> don't do that. I don't like aviation talk. You literally <laughs> said you so wanted to weird. come in for a landing. I didn't say that, did I? I don't think so. I, I think said this brings us to the end. I think you said landing, and then you said flaps. <laughs> Damn it. You said... You said flap, not me. All right. We're having fun. I think all the aviation talk came straight from you. <laughs> I know that's Damn what it. we used to say, but yeah, you're carrying on the tradition. We'll be back next week with me and Will. But until then, Whitney, where are you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And you can find all my other podcasts there, but I'm not going to talk about them. Instead of listening to any of my other podcasts for this week and this week only, Go watch The Matrix. Yes. <laughs> nice. Good call. Excellent Homework. recommendation. Mm -hmm. It holds up, weirdly. Mm -hmm. It does. Even more than I thought it would, and I knew yeah. it was going to hold up. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I agree. There you go. Ev agrees. Speaking of Ev, where... Ev agrees. <laughs> Don't. Stop. No. Okay. Where are you on the internet? Tell us about all the things. Um, I'm on Instagram at Evan Acre, although I'm considering Eva Grease. Um, <laughs> and because I typically do, I'm a softy. Um, oh. I've been trying to like up my story game on Instagram. It's been good. So. I I approve of it. Making things, building things. I love it. Yeah. Cooking things, if you're into those Cooking things. Cooking things, things on things. And then, so there's Instagram. Uh, I have Twitter. It's hot trash. Um, and that's it for now. All right. Fair enough. Is it, sa is it safe to say that your Twitter account was friends with Jack Kerouac by any chance? 
Sure. It was a callback to a review that we did. Do you remember? Yeah. I, I do. That's, remember how that's much a I deep hated pull. that guy? Sorry. Yeah. I haven't let it go. You can find me on the internet at Dark Driving, wherever you go on the internet, at Twitch, at uh, which is something I'm starting to do, Instagram, Twitter, all those places. Follow me. Let's make some magic. It's going to be great. So with all that, uh, you know, I want to first thank everybody who sent something in. Uh, it was super heartening. Thank you for the outpouring of support. So with all that, thank you all for joining us today. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. I'm Keanu Reeves, the actor you're talking about on your podcasts. I'm sending you a message to tell you your podcasts are breathtaking. I spend lots of hours listening your, to your episodes. I love them. You're breathtaking. And remember, be excellent to each other. All I want from you is to include this to your Matrix episode. It's my very favorite film. I had really nice time here. And I can't wait uh, to do the fourth one where I'll do some bad shit. Send my voices to everyone. I'm not Keanu, okay? I'm not Keanu. This is an impression from your friend. Bye.